All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We can die. We can die. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. As my friendly announcer voice just said, this is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us. Episode number 22 uh, here uh, in the Magic on a Dollar studios, which really is just a, a closet with some clothes in it and a kind of an enclosed space. As a podcaster, I've learned the smaller the space, the better. It's the whole sound wave thing. But, you know, that's for a science podcast, not for a Disney podcast. Uh, so glad you're here. Thank you so much for downloading. Uh, Top of the show, I would love for you to go to iTunes and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the show. Leave a rating and review. We'd love that. Five stars is most magical, but, you know, we'll, we'll take whatever. Um, I'll be honest with you. If you think I'm just uh, terrible, don't leave me one star. Just uh, just don't listen, although I'm hoping that's not the case. Maybe you'll just email me, Magic on a Dollar Podcast, and say, Hey, Dave, here's the things you need to fix on your show, and I'll be happy to take that into consideration and maybe make some changes so I can please you. But overall, thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for enjoying the show. Got a lot to get to today. A little bit of news we'll get to, plus I'm going to kind of go through, uh, got a review of A Wrinkle in Time, which uh, I saw a couple of days ago, so I'll talk about that. Also, my time at Downtown Disney, uh, did I say Downtown Disney? My time at Disney Springs, uh, in da- Walt Disney World, um, spent the day there, and I got to do something pretty cool for you Star Wars fans. We'll talk about that, and then I'm going to kind of go over some Universal stuff. This might take a two-part show because I've got a lot of Universal things to get to, but I kind of want to go through my day at Universal, and if you've never been to Universal, or maybe you have, and you want to hear somebody else's perspective, I'd love to, to kind of give you that. So, let's go ahead and kick it off with some new News around the world. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. All righty. Marvel Land opening up at Disney's California Adventure. So that is going to be absolutely fantastic because it just, just is. Marvel Land is coming in 2020. Here's what you need to know. Um, Star Wars Land will be open in, 19, in 2019. Marvel Land will be open up at California Adventure in 2020. The Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout attraction, which is used to be the Tower of Terror, and now it's the Mission Breakout. And, folks, I, I know that a lot of people were crazy, went crazy when Tower of Terror went down and they changed it to Guardians of the Galaxy. But I have heard that ride is fantastic. I haven't been on it. But I've heard it's great. Now, if you're at California Adventure and you walk around the corner from from Mission Breakout, walk around the corner, and there will be Bugs Life Land, or Bugs Land, and it's the, the Heimlich little train track thing, and they've got the spinny little ride there with uh, Francis the Ladybug, and it's kind of themed to the whole bug thing. You walk in, and all of a sudden everything's big because you're a bug all of a sudden. That's going away, unfortunately. I, I hate that because that's a fun little land, but they're going to rebuild an entire land there for Marvel. Now, you wonder yourself, why can't they do this in Disney World? What the heck? Well, it's because well, it's because of rights and the whole thing like that. And that's that's another story. We've, we've talked about that in previous episodes uh, about the universal rights for Universal Orlando, and they have Marvel stuff, which also answers the question. Because I've heard this kind of floated around with the success of Black Panther. Are they going to put a, a Wakanda land in Walt Disney World? Maybe over in uh, Animal Kingdom. Maybe in Epcot. Chances are no, because Black Panther, as ancillary of a character in the comics as he has been up until recently, is kind of part of the Avengers arrangement. And so it's part of Universal, so they could probably use him. They won't, because why would they do that? But I don't think that Disney could use Wakanda or Black Panther in their parks East of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi, it's a free-for-all. So who knows? Black Panther may show up. I know he's already meeting guests out there, which is pretty cool. So who knows what they'll do out there. But a Marvel Land is coming in 2020 to Disney's California Adventure. 
Tickets have gone on sale for the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Those were announced a few days ago. Um, lots of dates for the Halloween party. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm going to put those on the website under the uh, under some of the articles. Uh, MagicOnADollar.com is the website, and we're going to kind of start putting articles up there that you guys can read with the dates and everything. Tickets start at $75 in advance or $85 at the gate if they're available. They do sell out. It's a hard-ticketed event, and what that means is you have to buy an extra ticket. You can't just go with your, your theme park ticket. Even though you spent a whole lot of money on a Walt Disney World ticket, you got to spend some more money on on the Halloween ticket. The good thing is, though, if you have a Halloween ticket, you actually can get in the park at four o'clock. The party doesn't start until seven. So let's say that you have you have yourself a, a Magic Kingdom ticket, um, or you have a, let's say you have a multi day ticket. You have a couple of days at, at Disney World, and you want to go to the Halloween party. Technically, you wouldn't have to use a day ticket if you have a three day ticket and you're going to the party on Tuesday. Use your day ticket on Monday. Use your park ticket on Wednesday. Use your park ticket on Thursday. On Tuesday, don't go to the park until 4 o'clock. Walk in with your Halloween party ticket, and it doesn't take a day off of your regular ticket. Does that make sense? Um, so you get to use your Halloween ticket as your as your park ticket for the first three hours from 4 to 7. You get in there. They give you a bracelet and everything. The party starts at 7. If you've never been, I think it's a lot of fun. It's one of those things that I suggest if you can if you can make it happen, and it is kind of pricey, but if you can make it happen, I suggest making it happen for you. Uh, if you've never been, there's fireworks. The Hocus Pocus Villain Spectacular is going on there. Um, the, the Mickey's Boo to You Halloween Parade, the Happy Hallowishes Fireworks, led by the infamous Disney Villains, is, real, is a lot of fun. Tickets do start at $75, but those are only for select early dates uh, in late August and early September. They kind of jump up a little bit incrementally, and tax included, a ticket to the Not-So-Scary Halloween Party on Halloween Day for adults is around $134. I know that for sure because I purchased tickets for clients who wanted to go. I got tickets for them earlier this week, and so... They can be pricey. It is a commitment to go if you want to go. And then the Very Merry Christmas Party party dates are coming up uh, starting in November 8th, 9th, 12th, 13th, 15th, 16th, 25th, 27th, 29th, 30th, December 2, 4, 6, 7, 9, 11, 13, 14, 16, 18, 20, and all the way up until the 21st. Now, tickets there start at $95 and go up to 105 at the gate. So in advance, they're $10 off. Um, and again, it is incremental. And so if you go, like, on the 21st, it's going to be more expensive because it's closer to Christmas. And there they have the Holiday Wishes Fireworks Spectacular, a frozen holiday wish with Queen Elsa using her incredible powers to light up the castle uh, and turn the castle into a sparkling icy centerpiece for the celebration. Mickey's most merriest celebration jubilant show is there. They have the uh, the parade and lots of – and free. And this is Disney World, so free is a big deal. Listen up. Free cookies and uh, juice, free cookie and cider all around the park, which is really, really cool. Um, so that's where, and all the cost, the characters are also in their costumes as well. They're in their Christmas costumes. And this happens at Halloween too, where the characters come out and they're dressed in Halloween costumes, which is kind of weird. I'm saying a costume in a, wearing a costume, but you know, Mickey and Minnie will come out and they'll be dressed as farmers. They'll be dressed as, you know, I don't know, um, superheroes or something like that for Halloween, kind of a matching Halloween costume for Christmas. They'll have their Christmas decor on both parties. Or it's the only time you can meet all seven dwarves at one time. All seven dwarves come out. Jack and Sally also come out from Nightmare Before Christmas, and both of those meet and greets are extremely popular. So get there in line early if you want to. And we'll talk more about the party later on as we're coming out. I'll give you some tips and trivia maybe on in the summer and stuff as the parties are approaching. I don't want to get too far into that now, but I do want to tell you that it is worth it if you've never done it. It's pretty Pretty cool. Pixar characters will be meeting over at Toy Story Land when Toy Story Land opens on June 30th. Buzz 
Woody, and Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl will be there. And, of course, there will be other characters there as well. Surprise characters. Don't be surprised to maybe meet, I don't know, meet Rex or meet whoever. Mr. Potato Head will be out there or something. I don't know, but we know those three characters will be coming. Um, they're going to be doing a refurb on Tomorrowland at Disney World, which is really cool. And it's going to be not really a total refurb. They're not going to shut it down or anything, but they're going to be kind of restyling it, which is kind of important because the Tomorrowland at Disneyland is very retro. So you go in there, and it's almost like you're stepping into 1950 and what 1950 or 1960s imagination of what the future should be. Because you remember those old movies and stuff, or maybe you'll see memes and stuff. This is what we thought the future would look like in 1950. You see flying cars and towering buildings with laser lights and bridges all over the place and, and things like that. Well, of course, that's not actually what – not really the image that we've seen. I actually saw a meme not too long – well, a meme or a picture or something. Uh, maybe it was Ray Bradbury or a, a science fiction author of some sort. In like 1950 or 1955 that thought, you know, 1985, this is what the future will look like. And it's a picture with flying cars and there's like spaceships and things like that all over the place. And I've been through 1985. Trust me, nothing looked like that at all. It didn't look like that at all. But they're going to be changing up the Tomorrowland in Disney World because it still has a futuristic look to it. But it's a modern-day futuristic look that has no presence whatsoever. Now, you walk in there and you're like, well, this is not really retro future. This is not really current future. This is like future future. It's almost like watching a movie from you know five or ten or fifteen twenty years ago, what they thought the future would look like, and you know they're still using flip phones or they're still using big bag cell phones, not imagining that a cell phone and a computer would fit in your hand, you know, called an iPhone. So they're going to be making some changes like that. It'll be going, and it'll be in addition to the ongoing expansion of Cosmic Rays Starlight Cafe. They'll be repainting the Carousel of Progress. Um, there's a couple of merchandise carts there that are themed to Toy Story. They'll be taking those out. I imagine they'll be putting them over in uh, Hollywood Studios for the Toy Story stuff. So that'll be happening as well. So you'll see some changes like that. And finally, real quick, just want to point out that uh, you can find the changes to the Pirates of the Caribbean now in the Pirates of the Caribbean. And we talked about this before, where they took out the scene where the redhead is being auctioned off. You, For those of you who don't know about Pirates of the Caribbean, let me kind of walk you through it real quick. And I may have done this already, but for new listeners, you, you get in the, you board the Pirates of the ship. A little pirate boat or whatever, and you go through a little thing. And while Disney World um, the is a little different from Disneyland, the, the ride is mostly the same. Disney World I don't think is as cool as Disneyland is when you come in the boat because on the boat itself you're going around a little uh, – like a restaurant. It's called the Blue Bayou, so you're kind of in a very peaceful cove, you know, and it's really themed really, really cool. At Disney World you get in the boat and you're kind of just shot into the dark. Um, and so – you go around, you go down a little ramp, uh, you know, and you come across a scene where there's like a pirate ship blasting a fort, and there's like explosions everywhere, and there's like cannonballs flying everywhere. I mean, not really, but that's the theme. And you kind of go into this area where you see pirate stuff, and there's like comical things going on. There's one scene where where you have a uh, a lady pirate chasing a male pirate with a rolling pin. They're going around in a big circle, and you've got pirates jumping up and down trying to find gold. Disney World, Jack Sparrow is there, so he's there looking for the treasure, and all the pirates are talking about hiding the treasure from Jack Sparrow, and so on and so on. You get to a scene around a corner where there is a, an auction, and you see the, you see the auction says something like, it just says auction up there, and you see women are tied up together. Um and uh, they're selling winches, is what they call it. And you hear somebody say, we want the, wants the redhead, and they're selling women. Um, I'm not going to go into it whether this is right or wrong in terms of they should if they should have changed it or not. We know that selling women is not right. I'm not saying that. But I'm not going to go into the whole thing about it. But they did make the change where they took that scene out. Now when you see the scene itself, the redhead is there. 
but now she's a pirate named Red. She's not for sale. She's actually kind of leading up the charge of selling chickens and livestock and supplies and things like that. So the scene is still there. Um, I don't think it's that big of a change. I don't think it's that big of a deal. There's been a lot back and forth online. Uh, maybe I'll put something on the website of my, my total thoughts on it, but otherwise, it is what it is. So that's been changed up. So there you go. So there's some quick news for you here. Um, now, as I mentioned before, that uh, I did take a time to take a trip down to Disney World for a couple of days. I actually had an event to go to the Toy Story dinner. It's like a Toy Story event. They didn't let me see Toy Story Land, unfortunately, but I went to a dinner at the Contemporary and had steak and, you know, sides and whatever with a big room with a bunch of other fellow travel agents. And we all got to do Toy Story stuff where they showed us previews of the land. and It looks cool. But while I was down there, I, that, that was the only event that I had to be there for. So I decided to take the occasion to go to Disney, to go to Universal. Um, I also wanted to take the time to go to Disney Springs that afternoon. I had flown in early that morning. I was in the park. I was in. I was actually in um, in my hotel at Pop Century, probably nine thirty or ten in the morning. I mean, I was there fairly early. Um, I was at the resort anyway. They didn't have the room ready, and I had requested a refurbished room, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, real quick, went to Disney Springs and had lunch at the Edison. The Edison is a big restaurant there. It's a. It is a table service restaurant, and uh, it's kind of themed to a steampunk kind of 1920s, 1930s, speakeasy kind of vibe, and I went, uh, I think, maybe early, I don't know, early afternoon, so it wasn't that busy and around lunchtime, and uh, so I went in there, and I ordered two two, uh, two dishes, ordered two appetizers, actually. One was uh, dancing corn dogs. They're little corn dogs. They're not mini corn dogs, but they're corn dogs, not quite regular size. There's three in a little tray, and they're kind of stuck up on its end with a stick in a hole, so when you wobble the plate, they kind of dance. There's like little sprigs of parsley around them, and they have this silver kind of coating on one side. Um, they have, they are served with some sort of like fruit mustard puree. I can barely say that, but I talked to the manager and everything and asked him what that silver stuff was for, and he was like, honestly, it's really just for decoration. He's like, I don't really know why we do it, and I'm hoping we don't do that anymore because it's just kind of obnoxious. So don't worry about the gray stuff. The corn dogs were good. The puree was very, very good. I enjoyed it. Also, another big dish of the Edison they have, they have the candied bacon um, uh, appetizer, and it, basically it's hanging. They serve it to you, and there's like two kind of wooden dowels that are up and down with a with a wire or a string across, and they're kind of clipped. Three strips of bacon are kind of clipped across the top, and the bacon is candied, and it's peppered, and they have this other fruit kind of mustard sauce or whatever dipping sauce to go with it. Um, a little peppered for my taste. I'm not a big fan of spice. It was a little too peppered for me, but otherwise it was good. I had both appetizers. also had a piece of key lime tart, which was fantastic. I love key lime. I mean, it really was not nothing. Was really nothing more than something you could get at a, you know at a grocery store or a nice restaurant. Um, you know, almost like an icebox key lime, but it was exceptionally good. I really, really liked it. and I would get that again. So don't feel like oh, it's just store bought stuff. No, it's it's good. I, I'm sure they made it back there. It was really, really nice. So lunch at the Edison was good, and then I walked over to what's called the Void. Now, the Void is uh, apparently a, a place across the country that does these things all over the country. It's like a virtual reality experience. Now, they have something called Secrets of the Galaxy's Edge. Now, I've never been to the Void. I don't know a lot about virtual reality. I know it was big in the 90s and early 2000s. It was kind of the next big thing. We had the big goggles on and such. And so I was like, well, let me just try the Void. And so I walked in and asked if they had any openings. And they really do recommend reservations, especially during busier times. Um, but this wasn't that busy, so I was able to walk straight on in, which was nice. So, yeah, I, I walked on in to the void, and I asked them for openings, and they said, yeah, come on in. So I paid my price, which is like $35 for adults, so it's a little steep. Now, again, I had no clue what I was walking into. I just knew it was a Star Wars experience, and I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I thought, hey, why not? So I walk in. They, they guide me to this room, and I have to wait for other people to go, and I think up to four people can go at a time. So I walk into this room. 
and I'm the only one. I'm all by myself. So um, they have these big screens on both sides, I mean, front and back, and you can see you can see either one. I mean, it's either station, so it's not like I have to watch both. And Kassan from uh, from Star Wars comes up, and he starts talking about this this mysterious box of of I guess plans or whatever that's been stolen by the Empire, and it, I'm going to lead the charge to go rescue this thing. And okay, fine. So I go down in the little hallway after it's over, and uh, and they have these vests and helmets hanging up, so they. Put the vest on, and um, it's kind of a heavy vest. And then they put a helmet on. They kind of tell me how to use it with volume and how to insert the thing or whatever. And so, and they give me like this blaster. That's I have this gun, basically this huge gun. And you have to pull the things down. And they they tell you, hey, okay, go ahead and hold up your hands to see if you can see them. So I hold my arms up, and I can see my arms, except the arms are covered in stormtroop armor, which is really really cool. Um, like I'm using, I'm I'm flexing my fingers. I'm kind of moving my hands around, and I, and I'm a stormtrooper. Like I. In this virtual reality goggles, I'm seeing a stormtrooper. I don't see much else with that, but she tells me to, you know, she kind of leads me in the right direction, and I walk into this room, and this is where everything begins. Suddenly, I'm transport. I'm, I'm, I'm in this room where I'm aboard this ship, and so I look around, and there is uh, K2SO, which you would know from Star Wars Rogue One, and this is Rogue One is kind of the theme behind this, and I'm walking through. Um, and virtual reality, you think you're just kind of one, almost stationary. We're kind of turning around, you're seeing everything. No, no, no. In this, you're walking through. You're actually having to walk. Now, what you're seeing in the goggles is I'm seeing this, this spaceship door open, and I'm seeing this plank that I have to walk onto. So I, I walk forward, literally physically walk forward, not just walk in place, but walk forward. This plank lowers, okay? So I'm lowering on this plank, and, and I don't know if I'm lowering or not. Maybe the room is rumbling. I'm pretty sure I'm not lowering but in real life, but um, that's what it looks like. So then I walk across this drawbridge into this, this, this I guess, rebel or this uh, Empire base. And so there are stormtroopers around, and, and K2SO is behind me, and he's telling me, you know, shoot the stormtroopers. So I'm, I'm using my blaster to shoot stormtroopers, and I'm watching them fall as I'm shooting them. And, and that's why I think it would be better if you had more than one person because I'm taking on all these stormtroopers by myself. Um, and you're going from room to room, and there's, like, certain things where you physically have to do that aren't on the uh, actual um, – aren't in the game itself. But, like, you know, you look over, and they're telling you, you know, pull the elevator, the elevator lever down, and you pull the lever down. And, I mean, you physically put your hand on a lever and pull it down. You can feel it, so it's not just in the game itself. There's, in the room, there's actually a lever, and the elevator door opens, and you run through, and, you know, you're, you're trying to get this thing, and here comes Darth Vader at the end of it. I mean, he's coming out, and you're, you're, you're battling, you're shooting at Darth Vader, and, and every time you miss something, K2SO is insulting you. And, you know, he's just, he's insulting you the whole time about how bad of a shot you are. Now, I've heard that he, he does that based on how good you do. So I've heard other people say they were pretty good marksmen, or they had four, three or four people with them, and K2SO was saying different things to them. For me, he was saying, where did you learn to shoot? Do you always shoot like this? You're terrible. You're not good at this. You're very terrible. I mean, that's what he's saying to me the whole time, so it's kind of crazy. Um, and the whole experience lasted about 20 minutes. I mean, you can argue whether $35 is a lot for 20 minutes, and it kind of is. But overall, it was an amazing experience. I loved it because you were in a Star Wars world. You were literally in a Star Wars story. This wasn't like a video game of sorts where you're just kind of got 3D goggles on or, you know, like anything. Anytime you're in a place where you're doing something like this, but you can see the the other side you can see the the real world it kind of ruins it it's like going on a ride like soaring or something um you know i'm totally invested in the fact that i'm in a hang glider and i'm soaring around the world but if you look around you can kind of see you know see other people or you can look around and you can see kind of some of the mechanics of the ride itself you can't do this here you've got goggles on you've got these 3d visor goggles on covering your eyes completely so all you see is mustafar that's the planet you're on all you see is the lava. All you see is the surroundings. You look around behind you and the room you're in, and there's, like, panels all over the wall, and there's, like, buttons all over the wall. K2SO is up in a window behind you, and he's talking to you, and you're using a blaster. You're shooting Vader. You're shooting Stormtroopers. It 
was amazing. It was fantastic. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. I want to do it again. I would like to do it again. I'd like to do it with other people. And I'm thinking my my wife, uh, my, my, my wife, the lovely Stephanie Ann, I'm thinking we may go down there. When we go next week, and by the time you're listening to this, I, we will be actually be at Disney World. I may try to drag her on it because it's just it's awesome. I loved it. So if you have a chance to do the Void, go ahead and do it. I think you have to be like 10 or 12 years old to do it. I don't know for sure off the top of my head, and I want to say there was a height restriction to it. There has to be because, you know, the vest is kind of heavy and the helmet's kind of heavy. So if you're not able to kind of lug that around or you're not able to follow directions if you're a young child, you're not really going to get it. So it's going to be very, very hard for you to do so. So I would recommend that. But definitely check that out. If you're at Disney Springs, go ahead and call and get a reservation. Give me a call, actually, or give me an email, magicandadollar at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to try to set that up for you. Um, you know, Book through me, and I'll be happy to help you do stuff like this, but I definitely recommend it if you can do it. So now let's get to A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time is a movie that just came out, uh, well, kind of a couple of weeks ago, and I meant to go see it before and just haven't had a chance to until a couple of days ago. This movie stars Oprah Winfrey. Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Chris Pine, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, and a couple of other kids that I don't know the name of. Um, so they're in this – it's based on the book. I've never read the book. I don't know anything about the book itself, so I can't tell you how faithful it was to the book. I've heard that there's some there's some religious tones, some Christian overtones in the book that aren't in the movie. I, I didn't see any of those tones in the movie. It's more of a you know uh, the universe is inside of us kind of thing, and we're, power, we're full of energy and that kind of thing. And so – more of a secular version of that, I guess you could say. Um, Storm Reed plays the main character. Her name is Meg, and she's a little girl who whose father goes missing. Her father and her mother, played by Chris Pine, who you would know from the Star Trek uh, Star Trek trilogy, the last one that came out. Um, his, his her mother is Gugu Mbatha-Raw, and if you don't know Gugu Mbatha-Raw, and that's G U G U M B A T H A Raw R A W, she is an actress who's really kind of coming on the scene the last couple of years. She's been in several things. She was in Tom Hanks's Larry Crown, like 2011, I think. She's been in some other stuff as well. I, I adore her. I think she's gorgeous, and I think she's re- she's a great actress. I think she's a great actress. I really enjoyed her in this movie. She plays the mom, and so Meg and her little brother, their father's missing, and they're visited by three witches. Three witches. One is Mrs. Witch, one is Mrs. What's It, and one is Mrs. Who, Minnie Kaling, Reese, and Oprah. And uh, they're they're telling her that her father has disappeared into the, like this space-time continuum thing. And so it's almost like a family version of Interstellar sort of mixed in with lots more effects and things like that. Um, so they're going on this trip, and Meg and her little brother, uh, Charles Wallace. I, I don't ask me if that's the original name from the book, from the book, but the kid's name is Charles Wallace. I don't know why you would give your kid two full names like that, but Charles Wallace. And then they have another friend of theirs um, who comes with them, and I forget his name, but they're all together, so they go on this adventure together to go find to go find uh, her dad. And so they, they zip through, and they actually face off against the darkness uh, called the It, uh, voiced, voiced by uh, David Oyolo, um, who's been in a bunch of other movies as well. Michael Pena takes a, is a small part in this. Ed Galifianakis is in a small part in this. Overall, I'll give you a quick review. Uh, here's what I liked about the movie. I liked Reese Witherspoon. She is a great actress, and you can tell it's a great actress when you're given material that maybe isn't the best material, and you still do something with it. She was, I thought she was good. I thought she was really solid with this. She was fun. She was perky. Uh, Michael Pena is a great actor, so he had a lot of fun. I really wanted to see more of his character. I liked him. Zach Galifianakis had a small part. His part was really, really good. The kids were good. Um, Oprah Winfrey, I don't think she was great in the movie. Uh, and Mindy Kaling, I think her talents were kind of wasted in this movie. Overall, I didn't really care for this film. And to me, this film was kind of all style and no substance. Visually, it's really, really pretty. Visually, your your eyes will have a feast of just 
colors and things about and things happening and effects and so on and so on. But I feel like they did a lot of that and didn't put enough into the story itself. I was not a fan of the way the story was told. Um, I didn't really care for the movie. And I'll just kind of stop there and just say that if you want to know more, find me online uh, or just message me, uh, you know, email me magic on a dollar podcast at gmail.com and say, hey, what did you really think about the movie? And I'll kind of share some of that. Also, if you listen to my other podcast, the Deuce Cast Movie Show, which drops every Wednesday, we'll have a show coming up, I think, next Wednesday or by the time you're hearing this, probably tomorrow, which tomorrow's Wednesday. Um, I'll be talking about that a lot more because I'll be kind of going more in depth into what I thought about that. But Wrinkle of Time, if you like the story itself, I suggest maybe you go see it. Go check it out for yourself. But I I would say keep your expectations low because, again, I just was not a fan. So let's get to Universal. As I mentioned, I was going to uh, – I was at Disney Springs. I did my Toy Story event that night. There's really not a whole lot to tell about the Toy Story event because, again, it's stuff that I've either already talked about or stuff that's already been known. The Slinky Dog Dash coaster is coming. The Alien coaster is coming. The Alien ride is coming. You know, some of the the attractions that are there, some of the decorations, things like that. Stuff that you can find out online. I've already talked about ad nauseum, so I won't get into all that. But I do want to talk about Universal because I got to go to Universal really – it's been a long time since I've been. There are there are two parks at Universal. There's Islands of Adventure, and then there is Universal Studios. Now, there's also a third park, Volcano Bay, which is the water park. I've never been to the water park. I don't intend on going anytime soon. I like water parks, but I'm not a big fan of them overall because I stay wet all day, and I don't really care to stay wet all day. Um, if I'm in the yard with a hose or if I'm in a local water park where I can just come home right after and be fine, but here I'd have to get a ride back to the hotel, which is like down the road because Disney and Universal are like five or six miles apart down the interstate. So it takes a little while to get there. I just, it, I didn't want to do it. I, I didn't, I was like, no, nah, none of that. So, um, I decided to go to Universal for two days and because I did not have a car down there, I had flown down there. Um, I actually stayed at, uh, stayed at pop century, as I mentioned before. Um, which by the way, the, the rooms have been refurbished. They haven't refurbished everything. Uh, let me give you an aside as Pop Century. Pop Century rooms, uh, the old style rooms are like the value rooms where you have two double beds, you have a single sink. Um, they're fine. They're comfortable. They're just what they are. They're value rooms. They're not that expensive and they're for families who don't want to spend a lot of money on the rooms or because I hear this a lot from families. Well, we're not going to be in the room that long. We're just going to be there to sleep and eat and, you know, maybe shower and, and well, I guess I should say sleep and shower and maybe eat. Uh, either way, we're just going to be there, you know, dash in, do our thing and then get out. And that's fine. It's absolutely fine. So they have the refurbished rooms now. They've been going through there doing new stuff to the rooms. And when I walk into the refurbished room and they have a queen bed, which is different because they've only had double beds. It's a queen bed. And they also have what's called a, a Murphy bed or a hideaway bed. It's basically you have a table and chairs there. And you can pull this little handle on top, uh, on top of the cabinet. As you pull down, a bed comes down, and the table collapses under itself. You have to move the chairs out of the way. Table collapses under itself, and it becomes another bed. It's another queen bed. So you have two queen beds there now. Now, the big knock on, on value resorts, one of the big knocks was you had two double beds, and I know people that have told me, hey, you know, we're poo-sized. We can't sleep on double beds. We can't sleep together on double beds. Or, you know, we, 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 want, we have to um, sleep in separate beds because our family just can't fit on whatever. These are queen beds, which are nice. The sinks are wonderful. The bathroom is wonderful. They don't have the curtain anymore. They have a sliding glass door now that kind of slides back and forth. They have two shower heads. One is fixed. One has got a handle on it. So that's really, really cool. The safe is no longer in the wall. It's actually in the in the cabinet there. And they've also got USB ports everywhere. There are USB ports and outlets everywhere. That was another big knock, not just on values, but on Disney resorts overall. I guess Disney for the longest time was like, well, we don't want you spending time in the room plugging your stuff in. We want you out of the room doing stuff. Well, this time they're like, well, people are going to spend time in the room. They're going to plug their stuff in. So let's give them what they need 
outlets and USB ports everywhere, which is awesome. Uh, they have a coffee maker in there, little fridge in there, which is really, really nice. And, and so all of that is really great. So that's Pop Century. I definitely recommend that. I've sold a ton of Pop Century rooms since I've been because I keep recommending Pop Century. Only the standard rooms have been refurbished, not the preferred rooms, but that's coming. I do recommend preferred rooms, but I had a standard room, which was really, really close. So um, that's Pop Century. I may have talked about that before. I don't remember. So if I've talked about that before, maybe it's just another reminder of how great Pop Century is. But let's get to Universal. Because I don't have a car, I had to get transportation somehow. Now, Disney does not offer transportation to Universal. They're not going to let you leave Universal uh, on their dime. So you you got to do it yourself. Um, Universal, however, does have a system where they you can actually buy your tickets. You can purchase a transportation round-trip system. And I went ahead and did that. I went ahead and paid. I forget how much it is per day, like 20 bucks a day or something like that. And so went ahead and paid the price for two days. And you call this number called Quick Transportation. You call Quick Transportation. They will come pick you up. And they added a lot of time. At 7.30 was my time. So uh, and, I, and, again, I think I talked about some last week that I got there. They picked me up right at 7.30. I used a kiosk to get my ticket. So I'm there, and I'm waiting to get in. Um I get into the park and I go straight to a locker because I'm carrying a bag with me. But really, the bag is just containing an extra, you know, extra like pair of socks and extra like shirt or something like that, sweatshirt because it gets cold. It's kind of breezy that day, um, and also some some um, uh, some what you call it, some power cords, some for my chargers for my phone. So I get to Universal and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to Universal Studios first. I have not been to Universal Studios since 1992. Islands of Adventure, I've been twice. In eight years, I think I went like 2009, 2011, something like that. So it's been a while. Um, but Universal Studios, 1992, 93, something back when they had the Back to the Future ride and other things I had not been a part of. So I'm like, well, I'm going there first. So I go there, going in. I walk around. I follow people all the way around to the Diagon Alley area. That's that's over in the corner. Um, Universal Studios is surprisingly bigger than you would think. It looks small, and it feels small, but there's still a lot to do. So, of course, I don't know where I'm going, and one knock on Universal is they don't have park maps available everywhere. Disney has park maps all over the place. Like at every junction and every kiosk cart, you can ask for a park map, or they have some displayed. Universal doesn't have that. I kept looking around for park maps, and I couldn't find any. So I'm flying blind here. I have no idea where I'm going. I'm going. So I'm following the crowd because I'm assuming the crowd is going to Diagon Alley, and I assumed right. That's exactly where they went. So we're following there, and Diagon Alley is set up. Of course, if, you, if you're familiar with the Harry Potter story, Diagon Alley is this 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 wizarding shopping district. It's almost like a, you know, uh, Hogwarts Springs kind of area with lots of shops and things like that. But in the books itself, you know, you, it's very unassuming. It's a, it's a quiet London street with a bar. You have to walk into a bar and you walk into a back alley and you tap a couple of bricks and everything. And it opens up and there's Diagon Alley. And so walk through and they have this London facade set up where it's like a London regular street. There's a bookstore and a cafe and whatever. And there's like, a, there's the night bus, which is a notable uh, thing in Harry Potter. And, you walk through there, you walk through the little area, and you walk through the facade, and you walk around a corner, and there's the bricks that are opened up into Diagon Alley. I walk into Diagon Alley, and it's Universal. I give Universal credit for this. This and Hog, uh, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Castle, the Hogsmeade area over in Islands of Adventure, is themed incredibly. It is totally immersive. Now, Universal gets credit for this. They get credit for the fact that they're the ones, I think, they kicked Disney in the butt and said, Disney, you got to do better than what you're doing. Because Disney, I think, they look Universal, and they're like, eh, whatever, you know, not a big deal, but... Uh, I do know that uh, when they were doing Pandora, the reason Pandora took so long is because they actually did a restart on it. Maybe uh, six months, eight months into it, some of the people, some of the Imagineers went to Universal, and they visited Hogwarts and Hogmead. They went to Diagon Alley, visited the whole, whole areas, and they realized how immersive it was, how incredible. When I say immersive, as in you can stand there, and you can do a 360-degree turnaround, look at everything, and all you see is the area you're in. For example, if you're in Springfield, which is in you know the Simpsons area, or you go to the uh, the 
um, I don't know, if you go to Fantasyland or whatever in Disney World, you do a 360, and you're probably in the distance going to see Space Mountain if you look in the right direction. Or if you're at the Simpsons right, Simpsons area um, in Universal Studios, if you look across the water there, you'll see Diagon Alley, or you'll see the London area, or you'll see other things. So it's while it's immersive and it's really themed well, you can see other things that don't belong into that world. Diagon Alley's not like that. You walk around, and you're completely immersed in it, and there's everything there. There's Gringotts Bank, and there's the... There's the pub and there's the cafe and there's there's it's it's beautiful it's incredibly beautiful there's a hog head, hog's head and stuff like that it's it's wonderful not a very big area I was surprised by the fact that it's not a big area at all you walk into Gringotts and Gringotts Bank of course is the big it's it's the Wizarding Bank and it's it makes appearances all through all through the Harry Potter books and book seven it's a big deal because that's when they take the Goblin with them and they go into to get the Horcrux. And if you don't know what I'm talking about because you've never read Harry Potter, then I hate to be speaking Greek to you. But it's it, it, Gringotts is a big deal in book seven, especially. So they go into book, they go into Gringotts, and so on. So you go into Gringotts, and the the animatronics and the animation is incredible. There are, there are goblins lining up and down. They're, the goblins run the Wizarding Bank. They're the ones that are the smart ones, and they're the math guys and everything like that. So they they're all there, and they're all kind of looking at the crowd, and they're leaning over the paperwork, and it's beautiful. It is a it's gorgeous. I, I cannot. For a Harry Potter fan to look around and just be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in Gringotts. This is so cool! It is. It's 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 immaculate." So you walk in. Now, as you walk through the castle, you walk through the, or you walk through Gringotts and everything get, to get to the ride. I went there first, so I was on the ride fairly quickly. Um, you know, ride does back up after after a certain part of the day, but uh, yeah, went, got to the ride fairly quickly and everything. Now, here's the thing about the ride itself: it's in 3D, so you put the 3D glasses on and. It's a cool ride. I mean, you're going through the bowels of the bank, and you're going through, again, a lot like the scene that is in uh, Harry Potter and the uh, uh, the Deathly Hallows, where you're zooming through the caverns underneath the bank to try to get to the... Uh, to try to get to the to the vault that's owned by Bellatrix Lestrange, who is one of the villains. And you're trying to get a goblet that's out of there, and and so on. Try to get back out, and you're trying to to you know to uh, to escape, and so on. Um, the problem is, I was never not aware that I was wearing 3D glasses. I was understanding I was wearing 3D glasses the whole time. I was never not aware that this was this was 3D because it's 3D. And while it looks kind of cool, it's the same time you're like I'm I'm watching 3D stuff. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit. It really did. And I don't know how you fix that. I don't know if you can fix that, but it just did it it, it took me out of it a little bit. And it was one of those things that it plagued me throughout the day, okay? It just did. So I walked out of there, and the next ride I rode was the, the Mummy ride, which is the original Mummy with Brendan Fraser. And the ride itself was cool. It was kind of a roller coastery kind of type ride, but some of it's in 3D. And, again, it took me out of it. And it's just like, okay, I'm watching 3D stuff. And so that was kind of a plaguing thing that I had. And maybe it's just me. I know people who love these rides, who love the Green Cox Bank ride, and the 3D doesn't, doesn't phase them at all. You take somebody like my wife, Stephanie, uh, the lovely Stephanie, and she probably – probably will not like these rides at all because 3D gives her a headache. We go to movies. She can't do 3D movies because they give her a headache. And I have a feeling I don't think she'd like these rides at all. I really don't. So we go to the Mummy. I go to the Mummy. Ride the ride. It's great. Uh, the next ride I rode was the the Escape from New York. Uh, no, Race Through New York with Jimmy Fallon. This was actually kind of a cool ride because I don't watch the whole lot of the Tonight Show. I watch it in clips online. You know, when they have something cool like the, the classroom instruments or they do a cool game with an actor or actress I like with Amy Adams or The Rock or somebody, that's kind of cool. But I don't do a whole lot of Tonight Show late night stuff. Um, apparently, they have something in the Tonight Show where they do races and go karts around the studio. I, I don't know. They also have little hidden jokes in there. I don't know. But the whole thing is you're in this souped up car and you're racing through, um, racing through New York with Jimmy Fallon. 
or racing against Jimmy Fallon anyway. So you go to space and you go through these tunnels and so on and so on and so forth. Now, you're not in a vehicle itself. It doesn't really move. You're in a motion simulator. Um, but there's like 100 people in this room with you. So it's not like there's you know 30 people like in Star Tours or something or in Mission Space. There's only like four or five or ten of you. Um, it's a it, you're you're in there with a bunch of people and there's a big screen in front of you. And it's it was fun. I actually, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but I, I kind of got a kick out of it. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so we had that. You had the Revenge of the Mummy. Uh, later on, I got to do the Despicable Me Minion Mayhem, which again was also fun. Um, you go through that in 3D um, across the across the uh, across the alleyway was the Shrek 4D ride itself. So you're doing Shrek stuff, and it's 4D. Um, it's funny because I think I counted and four theme parks at Disney World. I think you have six, maybe seven opportunities to wear 3D glasses in an attraction. I had worn 3D glasses five times before noon at Universal Studios. So, you know, that was just something that I, I can't get really through. It's kind of hard to get over. You have to do all that. It's just, I don't know, it's quite a bit. Uh, Transformers, the ride is also there, and it's also in 3D. And that was kind of a, it's fun, but it's just kind of a, like a jumble of just, if you've ever watched the movie, I heard it, my, my, I have a friend of mine who explains it very clearly. If you watch Transformers, you only understand about 60% of what's going on. When you watch it again, you're lucky if you get up to 70% of what's going on. Watching this ride in this attraction, I got about 70% of what's going on. I'm just like, there's just things happening everywhere, and there's Megatron, and there's Bumblebee, and there's Optimus Prime. And I know it sounds like I'm being completely negative, and I don't mean to be completely negative, but that's what's happening. I mean, it's just things are happening all over the place. And I'm like, I don't understand. Uh, just crazy, right? Um, so it's just one of those like, okay, whatever. Um, just a little bit much, a little bit much. Uh, also there, they have the... They have the Curious George, Barney, Woody Woodpecker area, Fibles Playland and stuff. And this is a cool little kids area. You go in there and they have like a Woody Woodpecker roller coaster, which I rode that. And it was no 3D, so it was kind of fun. It reminds me of the Barnstormer over in uh, Fantasyland. So that was that was pretty cool. They have Fibles Playland, which is a little play area for the kids. They have the Curious George goes to town water play area. And this is actually a really cool area um, because they have all these little buildings set up. You can kind of walk through, and they're themed to Curious George. So they an they're animated and painted in a certain way, certain color scheme. It's really, really cool. I really like that quite a bit. Uh, so you walk through there, and in the middle there, they have, like, water cannons shooting everywhere. There are places to avoid these water cannons. So if you don't want to get wet, you can walk around them. So don't feel like you have to get soaked by walking through here. You can easily avoid these cannons, but they're there. You also walk into this main building, and there's, like, these these, these – um. I guess the best way to describe them is a ball gun. You put a ball in and you push a button and it kind of shoots the ball like little Nerf sponge balls. But you have little bags. You actually can fill the bags up with balls, go up to the second floor, put the balls in the guns and shoot them around. So it's like a ball shooting area, which is it's it's kind of cool. I liked it. Um, so that, there's that as well. Um, I also did the um, – what's it called? The – Fear Factor Live. I did the Fear Factor Live. Fear Factor Live was kind of cool. They did. It's just like the old show Fear Factor. If you want to be a part of Fear Factor Live, then what you do basically is you go and you sign up like an hour and a half, hour fifteen minutes beforehand, and they kind of do your waiver and stuff like that. There were five people to begin with, and the initial thing was they're all hanging from a from a, they're all harnessed in, but they're all hanging from a bar about three stories in the air, and there's like an air cannon blowing on them, and the last person to to stay up there, you know, advances. The first person to fall off is eliminated, and then you have like this game where there's like. Two and two on two, and they're having to they're having to throw eels uh, like octopus and stuff into a bucket. So there's that, and then they have the final two people. They have to go up the you know, go up the rock wall and crawl across a little thing, and then come down. It, it's it's a lot of stunts. It's a lot of aerial stunts and things. The real trick is when they get people out of the audience while the show is going on, while they're setting up for the next stunt. They get people out of the audience to come down into its little table there, and this is where they have the food stuff, the food challenges. Uh, there was one challenge where you had to drink a certain thing, and including. 
uh, worms and sour milk and some sort of like fish chum stuff they put in there. Uh, and he had to drink it. And whoever got to drink it won the whoever drank the whole thing won the game. Um, and you know what you win? You don't win a golden pass like they did in American Idol. You don't win any money. You win a Fear Factor mug, like a yellow Fear Factor cup with a handle on it. No thank you. <laughs> no thank you. Now, the big thing for me is I just didn't want to get wet. And I keep going back to that. But I, just, I don't want to walk around soaked. So I didn't want to get wet by any kind of cannon or anything. And I certainly was not going to drink worms unless there's money on the line. If they say, you know what, whoever finishes this first gets 250 bucks. I have a strong stomach. I would down that and throw up later. They have throw up buckets there in front of you, but I'm 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 not doing it for a mug. I'm just I'm just not. Now the the other thing they had too, they had a little show there called the uh, uh, it's like the what you call it the classic monster makeup show, and I can't think of the exact name of it, but this was a lot of fun. This was a tons of fun. It's a little show where they walk in and they actually have people that are there. Um, they have like the host and they have like the the makeup specialist from Hollywood. They do certain things where they kind of demonstrate how to do movie makeup stuff. And he walks out and he's got like a knife in his chest and so on and so on. And they get somebody out of the audience and they they quote unquote cut off her arm with a big knife and stuff. But they show how easy it is to do that with squirting blood and whatever. And it's it's just a lot of fun. It was there was some you know over your head humor here and there for the small children, but. Um, this was all tons of fun. I really enjoyed this show quite a bit, and I would go back to see this show again. Uh, now, this show and Fear Factor show, I don't know if they have the same thing every show. They may do different stunts with Fear Factor. They may do different things with the, with the show here, the makeup show, but, but overall, I liked it. I really thought it was, I thought, really thought it was cool. So there's that. And then they had the um, they had the Simpsons ride. Now, the Simpsons ride, I'm not a, I'm not a big Simpsons fan. I don't, I don't know a ton about the Simpsons, but what I do know is I enjoy the ride itself. The ride is themed up so cool. I mean, it's just, it's you know, I don't. I know that Duff Beer exists, and I know that most have it or whatever. And they have all that, so all the buildings are styled to Simpsons buildings, and they have the, uh, they have the the King and Kodos Twirl and Hurl, which is kind of like a Dumbo or Aladdin ride where you get in the car and you go up and down if you want to. But this time, Kango and uh, King and Kodo are like shouting insults at you and so on. There's all kinds of things happen. It's it's fun. Um, they have the Simpsons ride itself, where this was. I don't know that this is the old Back to the Future ride. But it wouldn't shock me if it was because of the way you're in a small car with like eight other people and it's kind of sectioned off from everything else. And if you look up, you can kind of see the other cars and um, you're going through the Simpsons cartoon, which this did not take me out of it. I enjoyed this. I really, really liked this 3D. So it was really well done. So that was great. Uh, Men in Black Alien Attack was a lot of fun, too. Um, it is a shooter ride. We have a little gun. You're shooting aliens and stuff. This ride spins like crazy. So if you're in a motion sickness person. Don't do this because there's some parts of it. The ride just spins over and over and over, and you're going you're in big loops over and over and over several times. So I would avoid this if you can. Finally, we did the Rip Ride Rocket. The Rip Ride Rocket is a roller coaster there in uh, in Hollywood Studios, and this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. And it basically, it takes you straight up. I don't know, several hundred feet, two hundred feet, something like that, and then it comes you shoots you straight down. Um, now the fun thing about this ride is that you get to play your own music. You get to pick up a whole, there's like a whole list of a playlist of songs you can pick from it. I picked Sabotage by the Beastie Boys because why wouldn't I? Uh, and the way it works, I don't know how it does it. And maybe it was just how I did it or whatever, but it basically you hear the do, 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 do. It kind of builds and everything. For me, when it crested the top of that hill and it went straight down, that's when it kicked in and you heard, oh, I can't stand it. I know you're playing. I mean, they heard that part. So it worked out perfectly. It was it was great. The ride itself was awesome. I love roller coaster. This roller coaster was insane. It was so much fun doing this roller coaster. Uh, now note this, and also in the Hulk over in um in uh, Islands of Adventure, when you ride that roller coaster, you can't have anything in your pockets. 
So don't even think about trying to take videos on the ride or trying to take pictures on the ride or anything like that. You have to clear your pockets out completely. They have lockers there set up. You actually can put your stuff in a locker, and you can even keep it there for like two hours before they charge you. But they have free lockers, and you have to empty out your pockets and everything. Your, your purse has to go in there, your backpack, your phones, change, keys, anything you have in your pockets has to go in that locker because they will check you. And over at, over at Hulk, and we'll get to that later on, maybe next week, but over at Hulk, they have a metal detector you walk through. Um, and Rip Ride Rocket, they have the same thing. You have to walk through a metal detector to go in, and they will tell if you have a phone. And I'm only assuming that they've had phones flying off and hitting people or something like that. So just know that it's uh, it's crazy. Um, so you can't go on that ride with anything. So just be aware of that so when you go in. I got to meet Optimus Prime and Bumblebee. They were there doing uh, doing pictures and stuff like that. It was, it was kind of fun. Um... Optimus Prime, and it's it's a suit, so don't hide the kid's ears. It is somebody in a suit, obviously, but uh, he's shorter than you would expect him to be. You think he's a right, he'd be a little bit taller, um, and he has a series of phrases he can say, and you can't stand beside him. You have to stand in front of him about I don't know five or six feet, and he moves and everything, and he kind of disappoints. The way it looks, basically, when you take the picture. It looks like you're standing in front of a still model or a statue of Optimus Prime, so there is no interaction. You can't talk to Optimus Prime. He doesn't talk back to you. You just walk up there. He's moving. He stands still real quick, take a picture, and that's it. Uh, so that was – I mean it was okay seeing Optimus Prime, but it really didn't do anything for me because I – whatever. Um, got to have lunch over at City Walk. They have City Walk area there, which is, sits between Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios. and Lots and lots of restaurants there, everything from a Moe's Cafe – to a Burger King grill or whatever it's called, BK Grill or something. Burger King getting all fancy on us. They have the NBC Grill. They have a cowfish restaurant as well. Uh, I had something. Uh, I forget the name of the restaurant. It was a sandwich place. Breadbox, I think it was. I think it's called the Breadbox. I had a sandwich that was very good. And then Minchie's ice cream or soft serve, so I had some of that as well. So I got to walk over there, do some of that, walk back into the park. And the cool thing is you can walk from park to park. Now, I had the Express Pass. Not the Express Pass, sorry. The park to park ticket. And you can go back and forth between the parks as much as you want to walk back and forth. And actually, because my stuff was was over at um at Hollywood Studios in a locker, I couldn't just go to Islands of Adventure and stay there till till it was over. I had to go back and get my stuff. But I did manage to go to the Hogwarts Express. Now, what this is 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 again Harry Potter lore. If you're if you know Harry Potter, Hogwarts Express is what picks you up from King Cross Station at platform nine and three quarters, and you get on the train and it takes you to Hogwarts, and it brings you back. Uh, here you get into King Cross Station and you walk through, and it really is themed cool because it looks like just a regular old train station you walk in the fluorescent lights long railings there's some london stuff on the on the walls and stuff so it doesn't look magical at all until you go in around this corner and all of a sudden it becomes magical because there's the hogwarts express now in my mind i thought it was not i don't want to ruin the magic for you i thought but if you get in there you'll see there's a concrete brick wall in front of the train so it's very obvious the train itself is not going anywhere so that kind of threw me off but you get in there, and I, I thought, I guess I thought it was like a train, like an actual train train. You get on there, and you go back and forth between the two. I had no idea. You walk in, and you walk into the little cabin, and, um, you know, you walk into the Hogwarts Express. They tell you what cabin to go into. You were there with, like, four or five other people, and it's old cushions. Uh, you see stuff kind of hanging on shelves, and there's, like, a backpack on the shelf and everything, and the, the paint's kind of chipped on the wall and stuff, and they close the cabin door. Uh, and the window there, you're overlooking a London station, and as the train starts moving, you know, you're seeing things in the window go by. You're going through London, and all of a sudden you're in the countryside. And over here on the left side is where the, the door is, but it's 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 kind of crystallized dark glass. And so, you know, you're seeing the shadows of the characters. You're hearing Harry talk about it. All of a sudden the room goes dark, and it gets kind of cool in the room because the mentor is here. And you see what's happening behind the glass. You know, you hear things going on. You can see shadows of the mentor and so on, and that goes away finally. And then you arrive at Hogwarts. Now, when you come out of King Cross Station, you're actually into Islands of Adventure. You're walking into the Hogwarts area where Hogsmeade is. 
this ride was wonderful. The, the, the train ride is so well done. It's so themed well. And it's exactly, exactly what I thought it would be. Even when you watch the movies, it's a lot like the movies. What you thought this ride would be like is exactly what this ride is. I loved it. And I wanted to do it multiple times. When I, I started to go back on it again, but the rate time was like 30 minutes, and I didn't have time for that. So, so I walked my way through um, through through uh, Islands of Adventure, walked out of the park and back into Universal Studios. And really, I think I counted, it's like 800 and something steps. It's like a 12-minute walk at a decent pace, maybe 15 minutes if you walk a little slower. So it's not very long at all. One park to the other, you walk around the corner. You don't really walk through City Walk. You kind of walk by City Walk as you're walking through and you're rounding that corner, kind of guiding yourself to the left to go into the other park. There's City Walk to your right. It's kind of several buildings and stuff all there. So that's kind of cool. So that's my first day at, uh, at at Universal, over there at Universal Studios. I think next week's show, I'll kind of go through the rest of it. I'll kind of talk through a little bit about um, uh, Islands of Adventure, kind of walk through that par- uh, ride by ride, park by park. Uh, kind of tell a little bit more about that, a little bit more about my day at Universal or my day at Disney World. And kind of go through some of that and kind of, kind of share with you. I love sharing my stories. And, of course, I will come back. Um, with more Disney stories because I'll be at Disney World next week. I'll be staying at the Swan. Uh, the Swan and Dolphin are over there in the Epcot area. Now, the land is owned by Disney. The hotels are not, so I'll get to that story later. Um, we're also going to be eating at some great places like Chef Art's Homecoming, which I love Chef Art's Homecoming. I'm also signed up for an archery class at Wilderness Lodge. So if I come back and tell you about the arrow in my arm, I will be happy to share that story with you as well. So don't forget to find me on Facebook at Disney on a dollar. And you can also find me at Magic on a dollar. I own both of those sites. Um, Disney on a dollar is more of a, more of a, more of a business page to share articles and stuff. Magic on a dollar is like the fan page community the community is building. Right now we are in the midst. We are in the middle of the magical movie matchup that we do once a year where movies are pitted against each other. You vote, okay? You vote, and uh, the winner, uh, whoever gets the most votes, whichever movie gets the most of it, most votes advance. We're at this recording time. We're, we're kind of in the middle of the Sweet 16. We'll be finishing that up. Actually, we're kind of in the middle of round two, getting to the Sweet 16. By the time this episode airs, we will be into the Sweet 16. But please go vote. We give away some stuff every Monday. We do a drawing of everybody that votes on all the matches and stuff. Find matches on both of those. Also, find me on Instagram at MagicOnADollar as well. I'd love to talk to you over there. Um, and you can email me, MagicOnADollarPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're looking for a trip, I am your full-service Disney travel planner. And guess what? I do Universal 2, just so you know. And Disneyland as well, because that Marvel Land is coming up. You can find me over there as well. You can email me, magicalnadollar at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, put a podcast word in there, magicalnadollar podcast. If you want to talk about Disney travel planning, magicalnadollar, both at gmail.com. And visit the website, magicalnadollar.com. This show is sponsored by MyResumeLady.com. My good friend Amy Campbell is amazing. She's wonderful at resumes and marketing and LinkedIn and all that stuff. She will be happy to take care of you. Tell her I sent you. She can help you with your resume, help you with your LinkedIn application, your LinkedIn app. Who calls it an application? LinkedIn app. She'll be happy to help you with that. She'll be happy to help you with your marketing stuff. She's awesome. MyResumeLady.com or email her at amy at MyResumeLady.com. And finally, the show produced by my good friend, Clay Shaver. Clay, who hosts the Remodeling Clay podcast. This last episode, this past Thursday, was was a... It's, I know he's my friend, and I'm a little biased here, but it was a brilliant episode. It really was, and it's all about – his episode was all about kind of taking that break, knowing when to rest and relax and things like that, which is something that I have a hard time doing because I'm going 95 miles an hour, Mach 3 with my hair on fire at all times. So that's something to consider as well. But uh, remodelingclay.com is the website. You can download the show every Thursday morning. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to that. After you listen to this show, go subscribe to that show. I know he would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. I'd love it. So that is our show. Thank you so much for being here. Magic on a Dollar with David Dollar. Don't forget to thank a Phoenician.